welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Good morning. I have no props with me today. I'm, I come to you a naked man. So already trailed, I am speaking about Rahab, so uh, Joshua chapter 2. Before I read it, I want to give you some context, as usual, of, uh, of that passage and where we've come from before on this. Um, so let's remember, uh, 40 years ago, before uh, Joshua and the, the uh, Israelites start to go into the promised land, Uh, Moses picks 12 spies to go and spy out the promised land because God has already said, this is the land I'm going to take you into. And as we know, 10 come back and say, it's great, but it's full of giants and we are afraid. Only two come back, Joshua and Caleb, and say, yes, it's a fantastic place. Yes, there are giants in the land, but God has given this to us. And uh, I loved Camelita's testimony this morning for various reasons, but I loved that passage of what you said. Let me just refresh my memory. Whose report do you believe? And I kind of think that that may be more of my emphasis this morning than I was expecting. Whose report do you believe? Joshua and Caleb believed the report, uh, believed what they saw and that God was going to give it to them. The people, when they came back, uh, when the the ten spies came back, they believed the fearful report. Their unbelief was very much, uh, it, it made God angry. And their unbelief meant that they had to walk around the desert for 40 years whilst that generation died, died out. It's it's quite brutal. Some of the things I'm going to say today are not particularly nice, gentle, lovely grace of God. There is an awesome God that we serve. There's a judgment that is there and I want to kind of make, capture back the awesomeness of God, but also the awesome grace of God is really what I want to, I hope, achieve uh, this morning. So, uh, the Israelites had started to move back into the land, to the land that God had given them uh, at the end of Moses' time. And so they, they, get, they start to move towards that land and they come across two kings, one, one from Og and one from Sion, Og and Sion. And uh, they say to these two kings, could you just, look, we're just going to walk through your land. We're not going to touch any of your vines or anything. We just want safe passage through your land to where we want to go. And they say, no chance. You're not going to do that. And they pick a fight. And 
the people of God destroy them. They are obliterated and beaten. And this is all important for what we will read in a minute. What Joshua wants to do is fulfill the destiny he has been given by God, which is to go and move into the land. It says, can we just have that, uh, that one Joshua? It says, remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. He has given you this land. And that is the promise that Joshua believed, that they would find a place of rest. Okay, I'm going to pray now. Father, oh Lord, (laughs) Father, help us this morning. I pray, Lord God, that we will know your, your awesomeness of your grace, the power of your love, the power of your sacrifice, and how you want to have a relationship with us, Lord, whoever we are, Lord. So, Father, I just pray, come and speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I use lots of these different notices that we give to put uh, references in my Bible. So when I open it, it all falls on the floor. So, Joshua chapter 2. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. Don't you love that? It sounds like a sort of 80s sitcom, doesn't it? (laughs) Acacia Avenue, yes, you know. It's a bit easier to say than actually what the Hebrew says, but there you go. So if you're looking in your Bibles, it'll say something else. Anyway, they move out from Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, Some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent out orders to Rahab. Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you could probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road, leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up onto the roof to to talk to them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. 
we are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made the dry path for, uh, for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River. Those people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family, since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the, to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days uh, from the men searching for you. Then... When they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they, they left, the man told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down and all your family members, your father, your mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on the people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, Rahab replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. The spies went up into the hill country and stayed there three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. Then the two spies came down from the hill country and crossed the Jordan River, reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. So. God is giving us a place of rest. Rather than giving, sending out uh, 12 spies like Moses did, uh, Joshua probably bearing in mind the disaster that had happened before, he sends out two spies secretly because he doesn't want a repeat of the disaster that happened before. So, why did they go to Rahab's house? She's a prostitute. I think one thing we have to understand is that... uh, 
the, the land where Jericho was, was a land that was completely depraved. It was a land of sin. So to have a prostitute there was kind of like normal. We, uh, we tend to judge people on these sort of things. We think, oh, prostitution, that's a terrible thing. But really, God doesn't have a list of good and bad sins. He has sin, and all of it is bad. He doesn't have a gradation in that way. It's all bad. So... Uh, one of the things that struck me, uh, again, kind of in the context of this passage, is that uh, the, the, the book of uh, Leviticus, particularly, was written with all those laws to help the, the Israelite people to understand that they are going into a land where these sins were going on. Uh, I think uh, Emily was in, in school um, and, and doing a, an RE lesson a, a few weeks ago, and she was asking us, you know, how do we handle this issue of homosexuality? In the end, we have to have the context of it. If you look in Leviticus, it talks also about, you know, not having sex with animals, not, not having a, re- a sexual relationship with your father's wife. You know, it's all pretty grim stuff. But this is what was going on in Jericho and the, and the land around. So the, the Levitical laws are there for, for the Israelites to understand these things when they move into the promised land so that they don't conform to the sinful ways of the people of that land. And we might think, oh, well, kind of having sex with animals and all that kind of thing, it's kind of easy. We just won't ever do that. But we have other issues that we have to be careful of when we are in the world. And I want to come on to that a little bit later. Why did, why did they go to Rahab? It was also, I think, Leslie and I discussed this, I think this was also a divine appointment. It wasn't just a coincidence it was God knew that there was a woman here who was open to him we hear that wonderful declaration uh, where she says you are the he is the God of heaven and earth and that is a wonderful testimony that is a that is a spoken word of faith how she says that that is who God is she, she also recognizes that he's a God of miracles. But faith is also something that needs works. So later on we see how she actually does things. She puts the cord out through the window. Now, one of the things that uh, I realized, I, I, I've read this passage before, but you look back over all of the different stories in the, in the Bible and you recognize that there's a theme. And again, this is a story 
that shows, it talks about being basically in faith, in Christ, being in Christ. So we have the story of uh, Noah and the ark. Uh, Noah, by faith, heard God and, and built the ark because God said he would destroy the sinful people around. So all the animals or his family go onto the ark and then they're safe from the judgment of the flood. We also have the story that's only 40 plus years before this time that we're talking about where the uh, Israelites are leaving Egypt and at the Passover after all the the plagues, the final one is that uh, the Israelites are to put this, the blood of the lamb over the door. And the angel of death will come and he will destroy the firstborn, firstborn male of everything, unless you are in that place where there is the blood over the, the door. Again, it is a sign of the security that we have against judgment of God. I told you it wasn't going to be a, a laugh a minute, this, this one. We even have, I suppose, well, I, I think this is where we come to the story of Rahab. She says, she makes this deal with the, with the spies. She wants to be safe and secure in the house. Because what she also says in that confession is, I know that you have taken this land. So she's saying this, she's making a, a not just a prophetic word, it's a word of faith that she knows that, that God is going to give this land to the Israelites because it is God's word. And it says that she... And, and, the is, and, and the people there, their hearts melt. They are really afraid. They are afraid because they have heard the stories of a mighty God, a supernatural God. But she makes a choice. She is going to join God's people. Now later on, which I'm not going to touch on this, but in, in the story where the, the Israelites then walk around Jericho, they walk around several times with their musical instruments. Don't you think that there was an opportunity for those people in Jericho to actually say, I surrender, I'm going to come out. I'm going to walk out and join you. It's only later that judgment comes when they stay there. In fact, uh, in chapter 6, uh, the, the spies see that the cord is still outside of Rahab's house and they call her out and they say, okay, we're going to make you safe. And she and her family come out and then the place is destroyed. In, in the Hebrew, this, this word, whether it's for, for Og and for Sion, um, this sense of the judgment coming is actually also a sense of a consecration. So as well as, as judgment, there's like a purification of the land. 
And so, you know, we talk about this for, for ourselves. When we are baptized, we are being purified. We are being washed by the water of our sin. <clears throat> Now, Leslie, I always like to ask Leslie to do my, some of my homework because she loves digging into these things. And she found that the, the word for the, the cord, the rope, the, this red rope that Rahab uh, agreed she would, she would leave outside the door, uh, the word is tikvah. And it, not only does it mean a rope, but it also means hope. And so that is something I want to kind of change the mood of now because the hope of God is such an amazing thing. But we've got to define hope these days because, and I've talked about this before, but but because hope in these days is like, um, so there's a rugby match on this afternoon between England and France. Ian and I, being rugby fans, would hope that England will win. <laughs> Expect is good. And hope is good. But if you've ever watched any sport, there are many pitfalls and you can fall over immediately in your pride. I, I, um, uh, I, I'm an Arsenal supporter and a lot of my... Don't, don't you boo now, please. <laughs> sympathy is what I need, sympathy. <laughs> um, and a lot of my office, uh, being based in Manchester, are Manchester City fans. So on Facebook they were saying, oh, we're going off to see Arsenal City and I made some comment about uh, it'll be good to see Arsenal bang in the last goal the winning goal, and they all just laughed at me. They had far more expectation of Manchester City winning than I had of Arsenal winning, I must say. I had a little hope, but it was small. That's not the hope I'm talking about. The hope, uh, the biblical hope, is something far more uh, certain. Uh, Can anyone give me a certainty for tomorrow? That's pretty good. But if you're in um, Japan, it will be called something else. What? The sun will rise. Perfect. Thank you, Phil. Hope is more certain, or hope in God is more certain than our knowing that the sun will rise tomorrow. I've lived 58 years and a bit, Every single day of my life, the sun has risen. And I know it will tomorrow. One day it might not, when judgment comes. But our hope in God is more certain than the sun rising again tomorrow. That's our expectation, isn't it, Ian? That is the hope that we have. Now, that's quite a a big step to make but that is what that is biblical hope so when we sing my hope is in you Lord it's not 
I hope you're going to get me out of this. We struggle, of course, with that. But when God speaks his word, we should move towards that point where we are saying our hope is more certain than the sun rising the next day. So I love Camelita's declaration of hope that she would be healed, that God would touch her. And that is what God loves. That is what he is looking for from us. You see, Rahab had put her hope in God. She had put that cord outside the window to say, and, and I'm sure her knees were still knocking. You know, would those spies actually have gone back and told everybody, you know, don't come round our house. You see the one with the, with the, the red cord? Don't touch that one. There would have still been a knocking of her knees, I'm sure, when she saw the, the Israelites circling around. But she also had that, that certainty as well that, that, there was, uh, that, that she had done the deal with God. God spoke to her because it was a divine appointment. He chose her. She was a sinful woman. She was a prostitute. She was sinful like us, but she chose to believe God. She chose to put herself in a place of safety. So that is a picture of being in Christ. We put ourselves in the room of Rahab. Actually, it must have been a bit more in the room. She had all her, all her family there. It was probably quite a big place and probably very cramped as well. So then we come to the final picture of, of, so we've gone to the ark, we've gone to the Passover, we've gone to Rahab and, and her story. Now we come to the cross. And reflecting on this over the last few days, sometimes we, 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 we think of the cross and our sin, you know, Jesus took our sin from us. And we think, well, maybe he, you know, it's, I just had a few lies and, he kind of just took that, which he did. But actually, he took the judgment that we deserved. It's actually judgment. We say he took our sins. Actually, he took the judgment that we deserved for our sins. So when we look at and read the story in John of, of uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, and we see that Jesus sweated blood and i think peter was talk- peter i think was talking about it the other the other week the stress that we now know that people can come under when they know of something horrendous and horrific that is going to befall them that they can sweat blood there jesus knew not that he was just going to take the sins of the world our lies and things it was going to be brutal. He was taking the judgment of our sin upon himself. And he was, he was afraid of that. That's, he was stressed by that because here we have the tension between being 
100% God and 100% man. His physical body knew the stress of taking the judgment of our sin upon himself. And so, of course, on the cross, that is exactly what he did. Can you, can you imagine the awfulness of that? Uh, just this morning, God reminded me, when I was first saved, I've probably been a Christian about two or three years. Uh, as, you, as you know, I'm always a happy, happy chap, laughing. Um, and there was one time I was in, in church and I, I had been laughing and suddenly this sense of blackness came over me. A real depth of, of pain and I cannot describe it except by saying it was darkness came on me. And I said, oh God, what is this? And he said, I am just showing you a little piece of what hell is like. Whoa, that was, it was 10 minutes of separation from God. It was not pleasant. And I said, thank you very much. I don't want to stay here. But he said, that is the reality of what people will go into. We heard this this week, politicians talking about a place in hell. And we have may have many... Uh, discussions about that but there is a reality to hell that people do not appreciate a lot of people think it's a concept it is actually a reality and uh, you know I'm not putting any guilt on you but you know this is what we have been saved from we have been saved from that judgment and we really do need to praise God for that because we are free from that. And Rahab, she is set free from that judgment. She knew judgment was coming and she rejoices that she is set free from that. And she is then, uh, you know, we see her written up in the Bible in Matthew uh, and in uh, Hebrews, she is commended for her faith. She is commended for the fact that she stood up and joined God's people. She didn't want to be subject to judgment. She wanted to buy in to being part of the kingdom of God. And that is where she is now. So one day we will meet her. Why do we go on so much about being in Christ? Because it's kind of, Neil and I, it's about sort of probably all, all of us who speak here, it's kind of one of the main themes that we, we go on and on and on about. But it is so important for us. You see, we can... Uh, we can say, yes, I'm in Christ. I know I'm in Christ. But the world around us is still trying to get our attention to do other things, to think in different ways. Um, music is the classic one. 
and I'll probably ruin some songs for you uh, by just mentioning them. But there's a there's a song that I uh, really really like. It's it's I think it's from the eighties. So there you go. Um, by M People. It's Search for the Hero Inside Yourself. It's a great song, fantastic song, really catchy. But the words are incredibly ungodly. But that is the message that the world is trying to to give to the society. Which is, you don't have to look for God. Just find your peace inside yourself. Look inside yourself. Find your peace in your career, in your family, in your finances, in your, your, your fatherhood, your sexuality. It's why there is such uh, identity problems in this world. We have the identity that we should know. Our identity is, I am a child of God. That's it. There's nothing more. Okay, I am a father. I'm a husband. I'm, I work. I'm a salesman. I come to church. I'm a Christian. But my identity is none of those. It is I'm a child of God. And we must need that into our spirits. For, for our young, young people, uh, there was... Um, there's an Ed Sheeran song. Leslie and I were listening to it, and Leslie said, Oh, this is a terrible message, really. It's called The Shape of You. It's a great song, again. I've probably ruined it for you now. But it just talks about the fact that all he's interested in is what you look like. And that, for young people particularly, is such a wrong message particularly for girls, but also for boys. Uh, You cannot be loved unless you look perfect. It's rubbish. We have to to put this into our, our children, our people around us. That is not their identity. Even if they don't know Jesus, drag them away from that knowledge of, or that idea that that is their identity. Rahab's identity is changed. She's transformed from being a prostitute to being a hero in the Bible because she has made a choice to believe God's word and to do something. So not only does she believe, she then puts her hope outside. She puts the cold outside. So, I think the story of Rahab shows us the unconditional and kindness of God. That we are accepted through faith. Uh, He delivers us from that death, from that judgment. We are now no longer subject to judgment. Praise God for that. I don't have to have that experience of darkness ever unless God chooses to show it to me by revelation. But when I die, I will not experience that. I will be free to enjoy the presence of God because judgment in the end is where there is no love. It is an absence of God. Dave talked about... um 
the coming destruction and judgment. And I was reading the story of Rahab, and yes, there's all that, and I don't want to deflect from what Dave said. But I think the story, too, speaks of the wonderful salvation of God. Rahab, as we discussed, was we thought was like a, a divine appointment, and God often gives us divine appointments. There are people that he is calling to be saved, and he asks us to come and speak to them. And long ago, when we first got saved, we listened to someone saying, ask God for those divine appointments, because there are people around, and I think that's something to take from that story. Oh, and there's so much, but... Um, Rahab, I think, the, the text that came to me was in 1 Peter, where it says, you were not saved by perishable things like silver or gold, but you were saved by the precious bud of the lamb that was slain before the foundation of this earth, and you were saved out of the empty way of life of your forefathers into this salvation of Christ. I've probably got to... Um, text muddled up there but they both are saying and when you look at Rahab you think she was a prostitute she lived in a land where they had shrine prostitutes where they worshipped many many gods where they put their children into the fire of Moloch or Chemosh if you were an Amorite where you you asked all these many gods and here she is saying your god is the only god And as a a shrine prostitute, she would have been put into that place by her family. She would have been sold into that. That was her life. She would never have been free. She was chained into that life. Not chained literally, but that was what she was. And then she has hope. The cord of hope is put out of the window. A scarlet cord that reminds you of the blood of Christ that was sent, spells, spilt, shelled, whatever, dropped <laughs> for, for us. And that's what that scarlet cord represents to me, the hope in the blood of Christ that we have that takes us out of destruction and puts us into a place of safety. She was taken with her family and put outside the camp. And that's where we are. We're outside the kingdom of God until we make a choice and then she is cleansed and the whole of her family are purified and then she is brought into the camp into God's people and that isn't isn't that what happens to us so if today you feel outside the people of God and you know your life is rubbish and you have heard Dave talk about there is a day of destruction there is a day when God will judge everything then come inside the camp. Cling hold of the rope of hope that Jesus' blood has put out for you and come in, for he will cleanse you and he will give you a new life and you will be able to call yourself a child of the living God. I am eternally loved. Shall we just stand, please? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your blood, Lord, your sacrifice, your choice to take 
the judgment on us that we deserved onto yourself, Lord, and set us free. Lord, you offer, you offer hope. And we say, Lord, we offer our hearts completely to you, Lord. So if you want to offer your heart completely to him this morning, do that now. Just say, Lord, take my heart again. Take my heart again, Lord. Because I want to be completely sold out for you, Lord. Amen.